115 to 89. Suns, after winning by 25 points the other night, decided to, you know, up it a little bit. They went by 26 tonight. 26. So they've won the two games on their road trip now by a total of 51 points. Matthew, Suns are dominating right now, man. They're cooking. Yeah, everything's good in the Valley. We got the Cowboys that are rolling, and the Suns are rolling right now. So what else can you ask for? Huh? A great Sunday. The Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> Except for, well, no Kyler Murray, no Hopkins. What would you expect? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I was very excited that the fact that uh, the the Phoenix Suns game started pretty much right after the Cardinals game ended tonight because I couldn't wait for that Cardinals game to end. It was a bloodbath right from the beginning and then cam newton's back and yelling into the camera and he's you know one of my top five players he's, he's my dylan brooks if you will in the nfl he just annoys me <laughs> and so when i saw that the the phoenix suns were playing at 5 p.m arizona time as they took on the houston rockets tonight i was like good i could just shower myself of this shitty nfl week and look forward to the suns taking on one of the worst teams in the nba and hopefully they deliver and Sure enough, they did. Yeah, I had that feeling, though, that tonight would not go good because of the Cardinals. I just feel like I'm not a Cardinals fan, but whenever they perform badly, I feel like on Sunday and then the, the Suns play right after, it's usually not a good day for both. I don't know why. It just I felt that. Sometimes but it happens like that. Luckily, no, it wasn't, man. Yeah, luckily it wasn't. Phoenix Suns came out, played fantastic basketball. At least the starters did. I mean, we'll talk about the bench here in a yeah. little bit. Uh, but it was a convincing win. Eight in a row. Now for the Phoenix Suns as they move their record to nine and three on the season and everything is right in the Valley of the Sun. So we thank everybody who is watching along live with us on YouTube. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button while you're here and make sure you subscribe. We have a ton of views on this YouTube channel. It's fantastic. Thank you, Jamsters, for showing up and showing your support. But we don't have a ton of subscriptions and we're just short of 2000. I think the statistic is what 46% of the people who watch this podcast on YouTube are not subscribers. So please subscribe. Yeah. The be proactive. Come on. Yes. Help us help, <laughs> help the jam guys out. Help John and Matthew out, please. We appreciate it. If you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are listening to it, please subscribe rate and review. And if you're on Apple podcasts, give us one of those five-star reviews. We'll read it right here on the show. So without further ado, Matthew, did you go buy a new te- oh, twelve pack? Because I know, like you know, you worked your, <laughs> your, yourself through those ten cores lights and 12. twelve. So uh, yep, yep. So this is well, this this is game twelve. But uh, what uh, what, what are you drinking tonight? I let everybody down tonight. Nothing. I no. don't have anything. I didn't realize you were going to go eighty-two for eighty-two. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Tonight I screwed up. Okay, I, I let everybody down, like always, okay? If we really want to get into this, I mean, anybody in my life, uh, mom, dad, sisters, brothers, jamsters, Te- teachers, let everybody down, teachers, mentors, so, again, I'm volleyball sorry. coaches. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drink a, a teeth cracking cold Scottsdale Blonde from Huss Brewing. So okay. at least one of us is doing it. But Matthew, I thought 82 for 82. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm just disappointed. Okay. I'm gonna got nothing but love for you. I'm gonna crack this one alone. Sounds so good, doesn't it? Let's talk about this victory. 
115 to 89, a rather convincing win for your Phoenix Suns. Game two of a three game central time zone road trip, beating Memphis a couple nights ago, beating Houston tonight. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, this is eight in a row for the Phoenix Suns. So I got to ask, just got to throw it out there. Phoenix Suns, best team in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, it's it's close. I just think uh, there was a, one other team you had to worry about, right, with Milwaukee maybe being the best team because they won it all, but right now they're kind of struggling. An eight-game win streak this early in the season, especially when a lot of people before the season were saying it was kind of a fluke last year, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, new pieces, doesn't matter. The chemistry is kind of building. No Aiton, that doesn't matter. Booker's getting things together. Uh, Chris Paul is just playing ridiculous basketball right now. This team is it's on they're on fire, of course, but it's a long season. But you love to see these win streaks early in the season. That way, you know, you don't get too down on yourself as a team, especially with what's going on with Sarver and all that stuff that's kind of been hushed up. You haven't heard too much about it. This team is just focused right now, and they are. They can beat anybody right now, and they're handling these teams that they need to handle. They're beating them by 20, by 30. They need to do what they gotta do tomorrow night. I guess the Wolves would be the same story. So I expect this from the Suns now going forward. Well, you look at the entire NBA. Matthew, do you know, do you know who the one seed is currently in the Eastern Conference? Uh, no, I don't actually. Let me pull the Washington up. Wizards. Is it what? <laughs> there you go. Oh. Nine and three. Uh, Gosh, I'm trying. I'm trying to basketball. take a look. Trying to take a look right now. See if, see if they <laughs> you play got the today. right year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. They're nine and three. Oh, Brooklyn wow. Nets are nine or nine and four. They're second. Mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls are eight and four. Uh, the aforementioned Milwaukee Bucks are now six and eight, following a loss tonight. Understandable though, they have a ton of injuries, but they lost by twenty points to the Atlanta Hawks tonight. And then you look at the Western Conference, and the Phoenix Suns are currently the second seed with a nine and three record. The Golden State Warriors just lost to the Charlotte Hornets, which drops them to eleven and two. And if you kind of look statistically, okay, just taking a holistic look at at this team and how they're playing this year, the Phoenix Suns are the top team in the NBA when it comes to field goal percentage. Entering tonight, 48.1%. When you look at how they shoot from three, they're 36.2%. So this win streak has definitely fortified that three-point shooting. That was definitely an issue early in the season where we were giving up a ton of threes. We weren't making any. Uh, overall points per game, the Phoenix Suns entering tonight uh, were what third in the league, one eleven point seven behind only the Golden State Warriors and the Charlotte Hornets, who played each other tonight. And as I mentioned, the Charlotte Hornets won that game. So statistically, kind of across the board, you know, the Phoenix Suns are third in the league in assists. They are seventh in the league in steals. They are, you know, from a free throw attempt standpoint, you know, that's once again where you find the Phoenix Suns at the back end of the the spectrum. Uh, they're eighth worst in the league, 18.6, and their free throw percentage is kind of in the middle of the pack. Uh, but again, taking a look holistically, this might be the best team in the NBA. Yes, you have the Golden State Warriors, who are 11-2, and two, and from a record standpoint, they certainly are, but from a, a team standpoint, holistically, I truly think that right now, today, if I was to, you know, power rankings, all that crap, like I think the Phoenix Suns are the best the league has to offer right now, man. I mean, they play whole, they they play completely as a team. Uh, they play on both sides of the ball, and you know, it's easy to say these kind of things after you just completely and utterly <laughs> demolish a Houston Rockets team, right? 
Yeah, but it, I mean, in it, the game today is just so weird to where you have a lot of teams that just don't give a shit most nights, and you can count on the Suns to give a shit and to really show up every night. And that's led by Chris Paul. And like I mentioned before, when you don't have DeAndre Ayton and you don't, you're not skipping a beat. You have JaVale McGee and Kaminsky. Kaminsky, of course, we'll talk about, but you have JaVale McGee coming in and just, you know, he's, he's playing with this, with this team. Like they've been together for years. And I think that's why he wanted to come here because he's comfortable with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and the offensive flow that they have all together. It just seems like, you know, you kind of forget for a second that we do have Aiden and a lot of teams that would lose a player like Aiden who has star potential, you know, they would maybe lose some games, go on a losing streak four in a row, trying to find themselves offensively. And then defensive, a defensive anchor like Aiden too, who's gone. Then you have Jay Crowder stepping up, who is just like, uh, the, the like the leading the lead in blocks right now. I didn't even look I know, right? Well, he, he does, right? He averages like six a game now, Jay Crowder. So there's just other guys that can step up and it's just absolutely, it's a depth and we're, we're struggling a little bit with injuries a little bit early in the year, but the depth just backs it up. So you are right. It is the best team over the wizards. Probably. I had no idea. And I feel bad because I should be watching more basketball, but I had no idea that the wizards were number one in the East. That's, that's pretty interesting, man. Yeah, man. I mean, they have the firepower you know, they've Kuzma now. I think that they, you know, uh, Montrez Harrell, they got all those yeah. pieces that LeBron didn't want. And all those pieces that LeBron doesn't want go to these other teams that are playing key roles. You look like Alex Caruso playing in Chicago. He's a great sixth man for that team and fits right in with, with that culture and who they are and what they want to do. So, but again, the Phoenix suns uh, to your point, when you lose the likes of a Deandre Ayton, you should struggle. And I feel like this team's only getting stronger. Now, granted, they're going through a a segment of the schedule that they should be playing well in. So it's kind of a it, it, it's almost like the Arizona Cardinals today. You know, the Arizona Cardinals looked at the Panthers. The Panthers aren't a team that necessarily imposes fear when you think about playing them. The Arizona Cardinals are playing extremely well entering this this uh, game at with an eight and one record. So they kind of were like, you know what? We can we can hold back Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins another game. This isn't a must win for us right now. This is not a this is not a uh, uh, division game, not a division game, a a conf or yeah, no, a division game. Um, so we can go ahead and we can kind of let the foot off the brake a little bit, maybe take a game off. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, with all of the injuries that they've had, kind of leading into this because of as you mentioned the depth, they they can sit there and go, you know what, DA. Take another day, man. Like your knee contusion, uh, I don't know how serious it is. It's serious enough for, for him to miss, I believe, is what five games in a row now uh, for a yeah. total of six because he played yeah, one game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, six out of seven. So they're like, you know what? We can continue to allow him to rehab and to make sure that when he comes back, he's at full strength early on in this season because this team has the capacity to play in the manner that they do and execute in the manner that they do and have the Frank Kaminsky's and the JaVale McGee's who can come in and spell his minutes and do so in an effective manner. Yeah. The, and what he can do right now is learn a lot from what he's watching from Frank Kaminsky and um, JaVale McGee, because the way that they're opening up their body and letting the either Chris Paul, them, whoever is playing off of them, give them a chance to give them the ball down the block. Aiden has to watch that. You know, Aiden has a lot of theatrics. Whoa down now. There. Right? You what? said eight eight and has to watch that. Eight and watch. 
figured might figured might as well. I mean, we're we're, yeah, already, we're talking Aiden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to talk. Um, so the theatrics like Aiden would always throw out in the block and trying to like throw his arms out, you know, give me the ball, stuff like that. You don't see that so much from McGee, right? Or even Frank Kaminsky. They just make themselves available. Bingo. So I think that's one thing that Aiden can really, really pay attention to on the bench. And if he pays attention to that, he can work that into his game when he comes back. You know, he does look a little bit down on the bench. He doesn't look too excited. I think he, of course, misses playing with his teammates, which is great. You want to see a guy that's kind of down and out a little bit, frustrated that he can't play, but he's still cheering on his teammates but he can learn a lot right now and i know when books sat out all the time when he was always hurt or when he was you know just sitting on the bench because we were um the rest of the rest of the season was trashing just yeah. trying to tank yeah so he learned a lot that way too and i think aiden needs to learn from this because you're going to have times during the season where you are hurt where you need to sit out and you have the bench that can back you up and win you some games so just take this time right now to learn aiden i think he is I think this was the first night where I was watching the Suns and I, I did miss DeAndre Ayton. Not because okay. the Phoenix Suns could have utilized him to in an effort to, you know, put up a better score. I mean, obviously they win this one by 26. We didn't need DeAndre Ayton. But to your point, like seeing him sitting on the bench, kind of with that, you know, he kind of looks like the kid who uh is sick and can't come outside and play. All of his buddies are outside playing in the sunshine, kicking the soccer ball around, having a good time. And he's like stuck inside because he's grounded because he didn't get his grades up or something. He just kind of had that dejected look on his face tonight. And again, I'm obviously reading way too much into this. Uh, But then I saw the fact that he was wearing a dominating shirt. And I thought that was just a little weird. You know, it's like, you know, it's one thing (laughs) to wear your own. Yeah. And yes, it's it's weird to kind of wear your own shirt, right? Like it's one thing if you're wearing a brand, like if I was right now wearing a son's jam session branded shirt, it would make sense. I'm promoting my brand. I'm promoting our brand. But if I had like a picture of my own face on my own shirt, you know, I just, it, it's a little different. It's a little odd to me. Like when he wears the shirts with Devin Booker, like if I had a shirt on with your face, it'd be like, yeah, I'm supporting you and <laughs> us and the team. But yeah. like, yeah. he was wearing a dominating shirt. Did you notice that? Uh, and did you think it was I weird or, or I'm just a weirdo? Not for Aiden. I don't think anything is too weird for Aiden, but it is kind of the same vibe of like a band up on stage and they have their own band t-shirt on a little bit like that, maybe. Um, yeah. that's what I kind of thought of at the time, but nothing really gets by Aiden to where it's too weird and just not expected because I know, of course, he's a different kind of guy, uh, different personalities and stuff. So I don't know if he still does that, but he, him wearing his own shirt and like he would wear Booker's shirt. He'd wear other teammates shirts. So he, he has fun with it. And I think that's the thing is just, he just has fun with it. It doesn't matter. It's nothing too crazy, but the whole band wear their own band t-shirt or Something like that. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I wasn't the only one who necessarily noticed that. No. So, uh, looking at this game, kind of how it started, it was a very fast start for the Phoenix Suns and their starters. Um, they're not really a team that, when you think of pace of play, a team that instantly kind of comes to mind, right? I mean, last year we were at the bottom of the pace of play metrics. When you look at the advanced metrics, knowing that you have Chris Paul as your point guard, he's somebody who definitely wants to methodically slow the game down and pick your defense apart. Uh, But when you play a young spry team like the Houston Rockets, you're going to get out and run a little bit. And, you know, it kind of got me thinking, I'm like, well, what is the pace of play this year for the Suns? And entering this game, where do you think the Phoenix Suns kind of are 
when it comes to pace of play relative to the rest of the NBA. Again, knowing that last year, I think we finished 28th or 29th. I think it would be top 10. Yeah. I mean, they're fifth. They're fifth, fifth okay. in, the, in the league in pace. And you saw that play into their benefit at the beginning of this game where I think they started like what, 29 or 27 to 13, something like that with Devin yeah. Booker scoring 16 of those 27 points. Uh, have you noticed that they've increased that pace of play? I mean, clearly you do. Cause you called that, you called the fact that they were in the top 10. Yeah. Because I think a lot of teams are struggling right now to get things going early in the season. But also when Chris Paul came over and he was in the middle of his first season, we noticed that things kind of slowed down. Like he mentioned, and that's just the way he plays. He takes his time. But right now, Paul like defers to other guys like Bridges to bring the ball up, to get the offense going. You don't see it as much as with it's just Paul. And even sometimes I'll give it to Crowder. He'll come down set something up. Who knows? But get down to the uh, the perimeter and just see what you can do down there as quick as you can. It seems like that's the objective from the Suns right now. And even Chris Paul, he's just like, and it is, it's funny watching Paul sometimes because he's just kind of like, eh. Here, take the ball. Just do what you guys want to do. Like as kids, you know, it's kind of like uh, I don't, like taking his kids out somewhere and just letting them play on the on the on the playground or something. Just like and you're just sitting there watching them sometimes. Just like, oh, you guys are doing good. All right, you're having fun. All right, so he'll sit there in the corner sometimes and let them do their thing. So I think he just gives them the opportunity to run the offense and to set stuff up through Mikael Bridges, through Devin Booker. They're a lot quicker. Um, getting to especially with Aiton maybe being out, getting the ball on the block, just figuring out stuff on offense quicker because McGee and Kaminsky do such a great job understanding where to be. So I think that's a lot to do with it. And it's just a trust that uh, Paul has with his team to run the offense. Yeah, I think it's a valid point. You know, he understands that he doesn't have to do everything when it comes to dictating this offense anymore. This is a team that's played together for a season now. They've been through battles of the playoffs and he understands mm -hmm. what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And he knows that they know that as well. And when you have that true team camaraderie, yes, he can take some plays off air quotes because he knows that it's like, yeah, Booker's going to run this one. The fast breaks going. I know Mikhail's cutting to the basket and he's going to get a nice, easy layup. So he can kind of take a step back. Uh, you know, that being said, when you talk about Chris Paul, though, 15 points tonight, uh, seven steals, <laughs> seven steals, four assists, six for 11 shooting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it again, seven steals. So entering this game and, you know, looking statistically how he compares to the, the rest of the league, he was already fourth in the league with 2.4 steals per game. This will probably help uh, increase that metric pretty substantially, I'm guessing, man. Yeah, he uh, last game too to end the in the fourth quarter he had like four steals. First half this, yeah. this game he had four. So he's using like a lot of his energy and spurts on trying to cut cut passes off. You know he's working against a lot of uh, young guys. He's cooking against like Green, um, uh, Porter Jr. So when you when you're playing against those guys on defense, you try you, you have fun with them on offense. You even have more fun. So playing against those guys and them not knowing what to do, they're so green. They have no idea. Chris Paul's just seen it all. So he's just sitting there picking the passes, uh, just doing what he wants on offense. So anytime he plays these teams, you can tell like they're starting to have more fun against them and just kind of enjoy it more. You even saw with Devin Booker coming out with, yeah. I don't know if he ever choose gum, but he was just like in a mood where he was smiling, laughing with like fans and stuff on the sideline, having a good time. His energy reminded me of when he played 2K against DeAndre and he had kind of like that sarcastic um, kind of energy about yes. him where he's just having fun with them. And it just seemed like that. But yeah, I sorry. I went on the Booker little thing, but no, uh, no, Chris Paul, his steals. Like I, 
uh, you love it, man, because he's just doing other things, kind of like Jay Crowder, where they're doing a lot more than they did last year on the court, but it's just very subtle, and I and I, I enjoy it. Yes, we did miss one key statistic that Sons and Four on YouTube yes. reminded yep. us. Uh, one nutmeg as well. <laughs> that was a fantastic nutmeg on Garuba, yes. the rookie for the Houston Rockets, where he just dribbled it right between his legs, caught on the other side, and hit that mid-range jumper. And I mean, had he not hit that mid-range jumper, it still was a uh, just a thing of beauty. And he's out there playing, and that's the key. And I think that you know, reflecting on what you said about Booker as well, and the rest of the team, they're out there playing. Okay, uh, this is going to be another reference. I feel like we keep talking about you know, like DeAndre Ayton, he's watching his friends play, and you know the way that the team's kind of having fun off of Chris Paul, so he doesn't have to do all the dictation on offense. They're playing. You know, this is, it is what it is. It's a game and they're playing the game and they're having fun playing the game. And that's, it's something that I really, I was trying to think back the last time I truly saw a Phoenix Suns team play this way, where they're having fun while they're just dominating basketball games. Again, against a, a team that we'll talk about here in a little bit, that is just, they're in rebuild mode. They've won one game this season. You're supposed to do this. Uh, but it has to go back to the seven seconds or less era. I mean, there were some, uh, or maybe even before that, it might be like Stefan Marbury and, and Amari Stoudemire that year. I mean, that team, they looked like they just had so much fun out there, the way that they executed playing basketball and having fun playing off of each other. But it's it's really fun to see a team that is adopting this playful energy while they're just thrashing motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And they understand, um, too, where... The other night when they they allowed, I forget which team it was, came back and they almost lost the game, but they the pulled Kings. it out. Yeah, the Kings, and it's always the Kings for some reason. And Booker <laughs> even admitted he's like, "This is, this is." Uh, I'm sorry, he said that. Um, we just we let go of the pedal. We just we lost our energy. We just didn't focus. We thought we had the win. So they know that now, and I think they know like they can still have fun, and then they can count on each other. And the bench who struggled tonight, but then in the end, kind of came through. They can just count on each other to pick up the pace whenever they need to now and just have fun while doing it. And overall, the team had 23 forced turnovers on the Houston Rockets, but they only scored 22 points off of those turnovers. Uh, that's something that's obviously an area of opportunity. You know, we're, we're going to talk, obviously, about a fantastic win, but there are still areas of opportunities, as there always are in basketball games. There's no such thing as a perfect basketball game. Uh, but I noticed that, especially in that first half, where, you know, the this the second team comes in and just plays horribly. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. They went one for 15 in the first half. Oh, for 13 is how they opened with three turnovers. Uh, that was eventually ended by a Cam Johnson three ball. Uh, but thankfully, it was against the Rockets, who were just giving the ball right back. And I think that that's, again, just an area of opportunity for the Phoenix Suns is when you do get those turnovers, try to execute and increase a lead rather than just kind of, you know, it's it's like a quick change of possession in football where the guy gets the interception. He gets so excited. He's got the interception. He's running around. He gets the ball hit out from, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. he fumbles it. Yep. And the next thing you know, they give it right back. Like, I feel like you see that a lot, not necessarily from the first team, but definitely from the second team, at least tonight. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things I noticed and campaign was one of them where he just came out, maybe a little too much dribbling, maybe just 
the extra pass that didn't need to be made. He was doing that early and he was turning the ball over. He came through in the end and just made up for it. Uh, left wide open for three, getting to the rim a couple times in a row. So he finished pretty good. He had a bad start. And then um, also Frank Kaminsky. I mean, Frank can get, you know, he can have those off nights now. You know, it's like, oh, Frank's struggling tonight. It's like, that's so weird because he he's a guy before that would just struggle usually. But now he'll have a struggling night and we just expect more from him. So tonight was kind of one of those nights where he was just struggling, getting abused by, I forget what's his name, the first year rookie 19-year-old guy that was in there for the Rockets. Shinopope or something yeah. weird. <laughs> Shingun. Yeah, Shingun. There you go. Shingun was just taking it to him. So an off night for Frank and he's allowed those, I guess, now, right? Once in a while. Well, I mean, he's, he is still Frank. I mean, if he goes out there, scores 31 a night every night, um, that's going to be just a completely different story. And we need to start thinking about him for MVP, you know, but he is slowing down a little bit. You know, again, there's going to be some uh, there's a reason he's a bench player. Uh, he's mm-hmm. going to have some off nights. And, you know, you look at tonight, uh, one for six from the field in 23 minutes played. He had six points. He had one block and one steal, two assists, six rebounds. But you're right. Like, you know, when he goes out there and he puts up a one for six, the team wins by 26. You can't, There's no one you can sit there and point at tonight and be like, hey, this guy played better. We would have put like we won by 26. So mm-hmm. there's going to be inconsistencies. Thus is basketball. We're obviously a very reactionary podcast because we go on live right after every game. But at the same time, like we just point out little little things that we notice. And if we start to notice them again and again, it becomes a trend. Uh, obviously this is not a trend for Frank Kaminsky. His trend thus far this season has been, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to put forth a solid effort. I'm going to hit the boards, you know, entering tonight, he was averaging 12.3 points per game and 4.6 rebounds per game. So yeah, he had a little bit of an off night, but like you said, Matthew, like he's allowed to now. He is. And he's just, um, he just an interesting guy. I just, I don't know to see him struggle like that. It's just, it's kind of funny because you can tell he expects more from himself. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Lights, Cameron, action. All right. So Mr. Cameron Johnson. So I was thinking about him today. He ends tonight two for seven from the field, 10 total points, two steals. Cause everybody got like two steals tonight. One assist, six rebounds. So 10 and six, uh, four for four from the free throw line. That's where he made up his points. And it got me thinking a little bit. You know, we're now 12 games through the season. And I got to ask you, Matthew, does he exceed, meet, or not meet your preseason expectations? Oh, he doesn't meet it right now at all. But um, he there's still a lot that I like that I'm seeing. Um, I expected maybe more from shooting, of course, from three. Um, I expected more cuts. Um, he still seems to be finding himself within the offense more, but he's still very, very physical. I mean, even that dunk attempt where he goes up against two guys, it's like a Cam Johnson thing where he's just going to go all out, throw himself into bodies, just to kind of, I don't know if it's a pick himself up, give him some more momentum heading into the next play. Cause I, I think he needs to feel something on the court. He can't just be standing away from guys shooting jumpers anymore. He has to be in there, be physical, get hit. He had like a bruised chin today. So I don't know if in practice he's getting elbowed or just punching the job because he's trying to steal Jay Crowder's starting spot. And Jay's just like, no chance, man, I'm playing phenomenal now so there's no way you're taking that um but he he, he'll get there and he'll go through spurts this year where we'll see it and we'll want him to be a starter and then he'll go through spurts like this where he's just putting up average numbers 
but still the hustle and all that. Like I said, when I went to the game against the Hawks, I noticed him so much more than a lot of other guys out there just because of how physical and how big that guy is and what he can do on the court and how he moves on the court. So that's just something that you can take from even going to a game. If you're a fan of the game and you're just going to see the Suns play your favorite team and they're playing away, you're going to notice a guy like Cam Johnson. Like, oh, what's this guy? I'm interested in him and following him to see how much better he can get because there's a lot of potential there. There is. He'll find it. I, I still believe in him, but right now it's just kind of mediocre. Yeah, I mean, entering tonight, seven points a game, 2.8 rebounds, one assist, shooting 35% from the floor and 34% from deep. And, you know, I'm going to kind of push against the grain here because you take a look at this guy, and he's almost 26 years old. You know, he's like 100 days shy of 26 years old. So when you talk about untapped potential, I wonder how much untapped potential is really left in somebody who's about to turn 26 years old. Maybe he just is who he is, and that is a solid role player. That is somebody who, as you mentioned, has size, has athleticism, and has a killer three-point jump shot that kind of comes and goes at times. But, you know, I, I had mentioned this entering the season. Obviously, you were much more hyped up on Cameron Johnson than I was, uh, and, and Mikael Bridges as well. Not to say that uh, you were more hyped up on him than I was, but I just thought for both of those guys – I didn't know how much development could occur in such a short offseason where you see Mikhail Bridges has really added some things to his game outside of being a little bit more, you know, or, or using his physicality a little bit more in Cameron Johnson. I haven't seen that much difference from what he brought last season. And again, it's only 12 games in, but he's kind of, and, and I said this before the season began, like I don't expect much from Cam. Uh, so I'm not going to sit there and be like, dude, he needs to progress. He needs to progress. I just, I know how high you are on him. And I just want to tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know this early in the season. I, I think we can give it a little bit longer. Um, but I, I like what I'm seeing. It's just, nothing's really falling from as, as consistently, as consistently, uh, go to the next segment, <laughs> whatever. Well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of watching along in the chat and everybody's talking about mm -hmm. trades and such. And I was like, what? What you is know, there trades going on right now? No, just, you know, is some people are talking about, uh, like Code JJM. He's saying, I would love Siakam yeah. on this team. Um, There's still one more piece. And I wanted to ask you too, just, is there something, I think we still need like one more piece just to make well, sure that we are and the that's, favorite. And that's what the Jamsters are talking about in the chat. And I think it's a, a definite, uh, it's definitely something that we need to explore. You need to think about exploring. Yeah. Uh, Siakam would be sick on this team. You replace Jay Crowder with Pascal Siakam. Uh, and Pascal Siakam's having a hard time, you know, up in Toronto. You know, they're a team that is definitely turned towards youth uh, movement. Uh, he has been, uh, Siakam, that is, has been injured at the beginning of the year, and they're trying to reintegrate him into that team and just isn't necessarily working well. Uh, again, the other night I was in Boston. I saw Raptors play, and Siakam just looked off because he just didn't look like he was necessarily a part of their team and their vision anymore. So I think there definitely could be a piece that's out there. But again, I fall back on the same thing that I, I ran into last year when we talked about the trade deadline. We, we are a team, and we have unbelievable chemistry right now. And it's, again... Uh, somebody just said, you know, you're, you're beating teams. You're supposed to, yeah. Coach JJM. He's like, uh, we beat teams. We are supposed to beat Voida. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what a good team does. So we need to add another piece to help us beat teams that we should beat. 
You know, it's like we haven't really seen those tests yet against the upper echelon teams in the NBA necessarily uh, outside of a couple games at the beginning of the season, like the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily know what our true weaknesses are and what those teams that a have more talent than the teams we're currently playing and B are better coached than the teams that we are currently playing. Uh, So we don't know how they would attack us and then which would expose where our weaknesses truly are because we've talked about it on this podcast and, and for the past eight podcasts, essentially the depth of this team is insane. The chemistry of this team is insane. The ability to have different guys step up on different nights is insane. So again, I really like chemistry. I believe in chemistry and I don't see any need, especially during an eight game win streak, start talking about, Hey, you know who we need Mm -hmm. thoughts. The thing is, there's going to be games where we're going to play a better team and we're going to be like, oh, well, we lost. We might need another piece here or there. So sometimes I do think that the chemistry, I'm a big believer too, especially this year when you have the same group that were young and they're still younger and they're still getting better. So you want to see them develop over the season because when you have that chemistry and then they're trying to work on their game as the season goes out, goes on, then you're only going to get better. And if you're better than last year and you made it to the finals, even though there were some injuries or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because I think this year, if you have a full season behind you and you have like the hunger behind Chris Paul and Devin Booker, now that have been to the finals and just know what it takes, and then you're going to get to the finals again this year, hopefully, and then you know what it takes to get over the hump, then you have that, and that might just be enough. I just think there's going to be some games this year, though, where it's going to be like, dang, like, is there somebody else out there that we can count on? You know, if DeAndre Ayton comes back, has an off night, Booker can't get it done. We're going to think about that, but I'm with you. I I, I think we just stick with this group. I don't think, because who are you going to trade away? Who are you going to give away from this group that's going to just mess everything up? Unless it's like a Jalen Smith or someone that's not getting minutes, but it would have to be someone good to give away for like um, for anybody, really, that's worth having. And again, the name Siakam keeps coming up in the chat, and I can I can respect that. But at the same time, like, okay, well, how many games do we lose during the integration of Siakam into this offense and defense while we try to understand what his yeah. role is, why he tries to figure out what his role is? Uh, is he somebody who comes over here and is willing to play team ball, or is he somebody who's like, no, I, uh, you know, and again, I don't have his contract in front of me. And this goes for anybody who we bring in here. If it's somebody who's expired, who we acquire, who has an expiring contract, they're most likely going to want to make one of those statistical impacts that's going to assist them in their next gig outside of the Phoenix Suns organization to make more money. So again, you, you all of those things, if you if you stir them up in a pot that that hurts the chemistry so again it's it's a productive conversation to have it's one of the reasons why i like doing a podcast live where people are commenting on youtube so uh, it can help push the conversation everyone has an opportunity to kind of put their thoughts and ideas out there i mean that's that's what's fun about doing these podcasts so uh another thing i want to talk about real quick is javel mcgee and that sky hook man what did you think of javel dropping the sky hook bro he did it twice he made it once yeah, but yeah. dude, he, he pulled that out of his bag of tricks. I, I didn't see that one coming, huh? Oh, <clears throat> I was excited. I, I, I think I was more excited with the second one because I love him going back to it. Because EJ even brought up on the broadcast that guys they, they'll try it, they just don't stick with it because it's such a fragile thing. If, if yes. you're gonna try it, you got to be good at it. If you're gonna miss a couple in a row, you're like, oh, I'm not gonna come back to it because I'm just looking like a fool out there. So he doesn't care because he looks like he's a shacked in the fool king, <laughs> like he has like trophies every year from being a shacked in the fool. So he does not give a crap how he looks out there on the floor as long as he gets the job done. 
he's fine. And if he's going to be throwing, throwing up the skyhook every now and then, it's something that I would love to watch, and it should be brought back. And then the play after his first skyhook was an up and under and one that I just got thrown under the rug. I'm like, what was that? Like He, <laughs> he pulls out these new tricks every game, but he seems like he practices them all the time, and then he's not afraid to pull them out and just show us. I mean, I'm sure he's done it before in other teams, but having fun with this team is different. I think having fun with these guys and they support whatever he wants to do on the court just backs them up to keep doing these crazy things on the court. It's not crazy, but the skyhook thing, it needs to it's, stick around. I want to see it once different. a game or twice a game. Yes. I want to see it. I at least, keep at it. least once a week, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it'd be great to see it like once a week because I, and we've had this conversation in the past, but you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored 38,387 points in his career. Okay, and a ton of those came via the skyhook. If you are a center or somebody who plays in the paint, why would you not want to mimic and copy the guy who scored the most points ever in NBA history? Take a piece of his game that he's put out there. It's on tape a bazillion times, right? It's like Kobe Bryant taking Michael Jordan's jump shot. That thing is verbatim the same thing, and it was effective. So I just don't understand why more guys don't try the skyhook, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, and as as Eddie mentioned on the on the broadcast tonight. Yeah, if you're off on that thing, it looks uh, uh, pretty you know disgusting. But it's also something that if you <laughs> practice, you know you could probably get it's an it's an unblockable shot. It's that, that's why Cream did it. You know he starts at seven two, and then he's bringing that ball up to you know ten feet, and he's just. I mean, it was just one of the most beautiful shots, but seeing him take that shot, you know, obviously brought a smile to my face and that's kind of uh that's the JaVale way. You know, he's going to do something every game that's going to frustrate you. You know, last game, it was all those fouls. Uh, but at the same time, like he's going to do something that I still like the fouls. Yeah, I like, I, I, I like the, the sunglasses on when he had yes, the sunglasses. He was like a blind man no out there, you know? Yeah. So and then can you imagine defending smile. the sky hook? When you defend the sky hook, you're just watching like, oh, this guy's throwing up the sky hook. So you can't defend it, obviously. <laughs> but at the same time, you're in awe because he's trying to throw it up there and he has the confidence to do it. The yeah, ball's on that guy. Absolutely. Huh? And, and again, yeah, he just, he plays again. We talk about playing. He plays the game of basketball with, yes. you know, a, a reckless abandon that is appreciated currently. Uh, if we have a four game losing streak and he's doing that shit, I'll be up completely upset. Yeah, it'll be a different yeah. story, huh? You know? <laughs> so uh, another thing I wanted to bring up that I wrote down in my notes was CP getting that technical after he was complaining about not getting the foul on the rip through. Right. Uh, and yeah, and yeah. Some, so you met you. For those of you who don't know what happened, it's what I just said is exactly what happened. He went to do his, you know, kind of classic patented rip through and uh, it wasn't called. And then he got real physical. I forget who he was playing on because uh, I can't remember any of the, the names of the guys on the Rockets outside of Christian Wood. And he he got frustrated. And he got a technical foul over it. So my question to you, Matthew, is uh, should he get that call or is that technically like an offensive foul now? <laughs> he does this a lot and I love it because he uh he'll frustrate the other team, especially the young guys. And the young guys think they can guard him, right? They think they can stay on oh, him. Yeah. Guarding Chris Paul, here we go, here we go. I can stop this dude. And then he always gets up close and does the rip through. He's been doing that like every game this year to where he just does it and then the crowd boos him. And he's like the only player left in the NBA that's really working on that and trying to get the other team in foul trouble by doing the rip through. So yes, it should be a foul. 
and he should consistently keep doing it because this is something that he can pull off every game. So when it's not called, it's dumb because it's not it's not like he's jumping into the guy. It's a rip through still and the guy has his arm on him. So that's a foul. You're not that's the act of shooting, even though he's usually by midcourt or something crazy over in the corner by Monte Williams or something and he does it. It's still a foul. So he should absolutely get it every time. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the whole new rule is essentially a non-basketball move in which the offensive player creates contact with the defensive player in an effort to earn a foul call is no longer being called a foul. It's it's a no call moving forward, and that's kind of what happened tonight, uh, although we've definitely seen Chris Paul not only perfect this throughout his career, but even early on this season has been getting that call. Uh, so I thought it was funny how his, his reaction was just kind of like a spoiled kid who was just like, no, I normally get that call. God damn it. And he's like, you know, getting all pissed <laughs> off and hitting the ball yeah. around and everything. You know, I think, I, I think it's a no call. I honestly do. Like with everything that's going on in the NBA, the way that this rule has moved, obviously I want it to be a call because it benefits the Phoenix Suns. It benefits Chris Paul. But in reality, like that is a non-basketball move. He's not shooting the ball from 32 feet away. He's just trying to create contact with the defender who has their hand out. And again, going through the stretch of game where you're playing so many young teams, you have plenty of guys with their hands in the cookie jar, right? And he's just, he's, he's getting them every time. Uh, but I think it shouldn't, it, it should be a no call. It shouldn't be a foul, uh, but I'm okay that it is because of CP3. Yeah. That's why we used to hate this guy, right? And 110 percent 110 uh devin booker tonight another solid game for him yeah. 26 points 23 total shots though again not the master of efficiency nine for 23 from the field including three for seven from deep he had six assists he had five rebounds and he had two steals as well uh devin booker's quietly put together a very uh a good season statistically because you throw in those rebounds and those assists I think they had a statistic up today. He's third in the league when it comes to shooting guards relative to rebounds. Uh, so, you know, again, Devin Booker, I, I really like what I saw from him tonight, man. He came out, he had 16 points in the first quarter, uh, first half actually, because he didn't score in the second quarter, but he had 16 of the Suns' first 27 points. And, you know, as long as he comes out and, and sets the pace for this team, that's always the best version of Devin Booker in my point of view. It is. It reminds me of last year. Like the first quarter book is back. It's something that he perfected last year when the defense usually isn't there for the opponent, you know, just attack them at the weaknesses. Usually it's mid range and that's where he is the best at. Um, I just have to, I think I have some news probably that I'm breaking that probably didn't happen, but I'm just what? assuming because I think Devin Booker and Kendall probably just got engaged because the way he was coming out tonight and how happy he looked he just looked he looked like nothing can phase him tonight. I'm a happy man. I'm getting married. She said yes. So I'm just saying if it comes out within the next couple of days, just remember I said this cuz he just he looked different, right? Like he just looked like he was throwing down the dunk and he's screaming. Like he just yeah. it was like the fake kind of like toughness thing but just having fun it's just a weird kind of sarcastic night for him and he just was enjoying himself too much to be just a normal book. So I think something happened where he's getting married. Who gets engaged in Houston, man? Everybody. Why would you? Everybody. Who knows? Maybe it's the first time they met. You never know. Maybe they met in Houston. They might have met at the oh, James Harden party back in the day, <laughs> a couple years ago. Uh, speaking of James Harden, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn my attention to the Rockets. You know, first and foremost, tonight was uh, the return of Grumpy Steven Silas, who's just always standing up, always has his head down and his brow up, and he just looks mad. Yeah. Poor guy. 
but I was thinking about this, like how, <laughs> how, how bad does it suck at least right now to be a, a Houston Rockets fan? Uh, obviously, you know, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. So, you know, that's a pretty easy, well, like, well, yeah, it sucks to be a Houston Rockets fan. They're, you know, one of the worst teams in the NBA, but you just, you think about this franchise and the success that they've had and just like how fast it all turned, right? Like, you know, you're, you're in the playoffs a few years ago, you have Chris Paul and James Harden as your backcourt and you're perennially in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I, if, if you go through, you know, starting in 2013, lost in the first round, lost in the first round, lost in the Western Conference Finals, lost in the first round, uh, lost in the semis, lost in the conference finals, lost in the semis, lost in the semis. And then last season, you win 17 games out of 72, and you start this season 1-12. and And it's like, you know, I, I was thinking about it, it kind of reminded me of the 2018 Diamondbacks because the 2017 Diamondbacks were a surprisingly good team, went to the playoffs, uh, lost to the Dodgers, got swept by the Dodgers. And then like the next season, all of their stars were gone. Like Paul Goldschmidt was gone. Like I remember you'd walk into that stadium and they would have guys that like relievers were up on the, you know how like when you walk by pillars, they'll have like, you know, the, the, the picture of the guy, uh, you know, like normally like Paul Goldschmidt, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was on that, t- and yep. all of a sudden, like all yep. those guys were gone. Like that's exactly <laughs> what, what that's exactly what's happened to the Rockets. So it's like, how bad does it suck to be a Rockets fan uh, right now? It sucks, but every franchise, unless you're like you're the Spurs or you're um maybe even the Lakers went through a rough patch. Like it just it happened so quickly. It happened to the Suns when Steve Nash left. Like it was just you know for ten years, so it was never <laughs> anything that they could recover from. So it happens, especially I mean Houston, I guess is like a big market, right? But now they're just yeah. kind of rebuilding through the draft and. Who knows if anybody really wants to come to Houston? I mean, I feel like a lot of people would probably rather come to Phoenix and a lot of players and uh, other cities over Houston right now. So it's going to be a while, and it does suck, but we've been through it. So, you know, any everything comes to an end, John. No matter no, it does. I just was no thinking about it because I'm like... It all comes to an end. <laughs> Including life itself, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking, you know, like when the Phoenix Suns went to the doldrums, like you kind of saw it coming because it was the back end of Steve Nash's career, right? Yeah. Like this is you have essentially prime Harden winning MVPs, and all of a sudden he's just like, I don't want to be here anymore, and he's like gone, you know. And like mm-hmm. you have Russell Westbrook, you have Chris Paul, you have John Wall, you have like all these different guys, and like none of them are really none of them playing for the team. You're stuck with like Christian Wood and a ton of uh, you know, just like you said, young talent. And as Buck Dog, one of our elite jamsters says in the chat reminder if you want to become an elite jamster just hit that join button lo- below or follow the link in the description he says no sympathy they have two rings fuck them i agree with that 110 percent because they have two rings almost at the expense of the phoenix suns fuck you mario alley uh, but again <laughs> yeah, i was just thinking like how, j- just how fast it turned for them and then it also got me thinking you know given the culture that they have right now with the desire to build that young talent you know when you look at the fact that they have a spry Christian Wood, who was really lighting it up tonight, ended with 17 points and uh, eight rebounds, but looked really solid early on in the game. Do you think that he's somebody who is going to be wearing a Houston Rockets uniform by the end of the season? I hope not, because, I mean, this guy just needs to be traded. Um, he He's a guy we're always going to talk about for the next 10 years, right? Christian Wood. We're going to play the Rock. I feel like we play the Rockets every week now. We talk about Christian Wood. So, I mean, it, we did play him before, but it seems like every year we play him like eight times and we talk about Christian Wood, no matter what team he's on. Um, I don't know. It, it's tough because you, you kind of see what he brings to the team. 
of course, the downloaded presence and stuff. But right now, of course, Phoenix for us, I don't think this is anything that's going to happen. Um, other teams, anybody that's trying to make a run, uh, maybe the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know. I'm, I don't know why. I just want them to be good or something, you know, for some reason. But the, this team will probably look into it, and I do see them in a different jersey. And it, it has to happen because this team, like you said, their guys aren't even playing the games right now. Like, no one's really focused on anything. It's just a free-for-all. It's like a backyard basketball game right now every time you play there in Houston. So they got to they gotta get rid of some of these guys, and I think Wood's the first name to go. Well, just so it makes you feel a little bit better, the next time we play the Houston Rockets is February 16th. Okay. Uh, and then we play the March 16th. So it won't be every week of, that we're playing this team, and hopefully mm. we're not talking about them Good. the entire time. Good. Good. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at Christian Wood and it makes sense because of the how his contract's kind of built out. He signed a three year, forty one million dollar contract with the Houston Rockets last season. Um, so he has this season and next season. He's making thirteen point six million this year, fourteen point three next year. And then he's unrestricted free agent the following year. So he's right in that middle tier of guy, you know, where it's almost like if you talk about hmm, who could we uh, who'd be a good candidate to come join the Phoenix Suns, but it could, could potentially be him. You know, I mean, again, I don't want to trade for anybody, but uh, I, I am with you. I don't think that he's wearing a Houston Rockets uniform at the back end of this season. I think that when the trade deadline does come around, given his talent and given the uh, sexiness, if you will, the uh, how appealing his contract is, uh, because it's only about 13 to $14 million, I can definitely see a team doing a trade, giving up some assets that's going to assist the Houston Rockets in trying to progress this path that they're on, building through the draft, utilizing assets to do so. Mm -hmm. Agreed? Agreed. Agreed. Agreed indeed. Oh, last thing I wanted to talk about real quick. They kept calling uh, uh, Mikael Bridges the Blade. Because he cuts so oh. much, and then they, and then they gave Dave King and Bright Side of the Sun a shout yes. out on the air, which no, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, shout out to Zona Hoops; he's actually the one who wrote that article about Mikael Bridges and how much he cuts. Yes. Uh, do you like the Warden or the Blade? I like. I just like. Can we just say Blade? I mean, Blade. Come on, that yeah. that's a winner. That's a winner that, for sure. That is because he cuts so mm -hmm. much. I mm -hmm. I really like that. I like I think, it. I like it. I did, I kind of missed that though. I missed. The, I got the shout out though, but I missed the blade part. Oh, they could. They did it like three or four times. I was like, okay, yeah, just not paying attention to the game. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this just put a trench coat on him and put some sunglasses on him. He could be like Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, if you're watching along live on YouTube, let us know in the chat who your Jam star of the game is. Uh, and this is a reminder to hit that thumbs up button while you're here as well. Helps the algorithms, lets everybody know where to come and join the best post-game podcast on Planet Orange. Uh, Matthew, I'm always asking you who you think the Jam star of the game is first. So I'm going to start out myself, and I think this is the second game in a row. Uh, I'm giving it to CP3. Um, oh. and, and I love that I'm given two games in a row to a 17-year vet uh, simply because he had the 15 points, the four assists, and seven yeah, yeah. steals, Matthew. <laughs> seven. Yeah, that's a good reason. Um, I'm going to go to Mr. Skyhook himself, uh, Javel McGee. So it has to be. I think he was just all over it the place to tonight. <laughs> yeah, he was the guy that, you know, every time if you were to turn and look at the computer, you would hear McGee, like, you know, just – a shout of his name every uh, 10 seconds, it seemed like tonight. So he was consistently there all night long. And that skyhook, the up and under that no one even talked about, 
you know, just holding it down when Frank had an off night, you know, poor Frank go ice the uh, shoulders or something, man, just come back out tomorrow night. Cause we need you. But, uh, McGee, man, this is probably the third time I said McGee is a jam star too. I feel like. Yeah. He's been playing unbelievably well in the really absence, good. you know, him and Frank. I mean, the way that they've been playing with Deandre eight now, uh, you know, has been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so you take a look at the upcoming game. Uh, it's tomorrow night. Suns at the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is kind yeah. of frustrating, you know, I, you know, once the, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, why are the starters in with six minutes left up 28 yeah. points on the first night of a back-to-back knowing that they have to put, go up to Minnesota and play the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow night, Matthew. So that was kind of frustrating to see. Uh, I'll tell you what Monty doesn't get my jam star of the game, but you know, kind of tell me what your thoughts are on the Minnesota Timberwolves as we prepare to play them in one of our, is our first back to back or our second one this season? I think it's our second, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> at least at least our second. Um, but yeah, really quick with the Monty thing. So it was a couple games before where I think it was a Kings game where we just left the star or the bench in too long and the starters didn't come in. And yeah. he got a lot of crap for that. And tonight was like, you know, it seemed like the game was over. So yeah, pull him out. And then Booker was coming back in with five minutes left. That was nuts. So just that doesn't none of that makes any sense. Uh for the T Wolves, I mean Anthony Edwards is the only one that really takes the game seriously. I saw today um on Twitter someone was talking about um Carl Anthony Towns and what he's what he's doing or he's not recovered. Um I feel like ever since the death of his mother, he's always he's kind of been a different player. He's maybe just unhappy being there. Um, I'm sure in a different situation, he would he really bring the best out of him and for you know a team that has a chance to win something. But you can tell Anthony Edwards is the is the main focal point there to where he's he's the guy and he he knows he is and give him the freaking ball every time down the court because I think this guy can be really, really good. And his personality, everything about him is something that you want as like the the face of your franchise for right now. Um, but there's not too much. I mean, this team is just what they are like always, right? I mean, they're four and eight right now. They're yeah. in the bottom of everything offensively, all the categories. Like it's just not working out, of course. It's probably because Rubio left. You don't have him to help guide anybody. So, um, but I want to see what Cat does the trade deadline. Um, of course, this isn't something that we would want for Aiton or anything like that. I just think that maybe getting him out of there and getting a different situation would be good for him mentally. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. When it comes to the Minnesota Timberwolves, they are not a good basketball team. You know, they're a team that if there are a bunch of Legos and none of them fit together, you know, and, and they want to fit together and they're talented Legos, if you will, but they just, they end up, you, you end up with like making a little plane because that's all you really know how to make out of the Legos is just a little plane instead of, you know, being the death star that they should be. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you know, he's on that massive contract, 31 million a year, 33 next, 36 the next, you know, so he's on that, that max deal. And he hasn't necessarily been playing up to it, as you kind of mentioned. You know, this year, 22 points a game, 9.3 rebounds a game. Uh, offensively, he's playing great. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, not only offensively, but defensively, it's just not a good team. You know, they're they're uh, when you look at points per game, they're 22nd uh, points and points per game, 21st. Look at their offensive ratings, 26th, their defensive rating, 17th, and they have a net rating of negative 4.4, which is 23rd in the league. So what does that tell you? Uh, exactly what I said. They're a team that doesn't really fit together and they don't really have a lot of depth. I think it's another thing that that hurts them. You know, when you when you start to go down the Phoenix Suns roster and you look at our second team unit, although it was a horrible um showing tonight for the second team unit at least there's some names in there that you're like oh hey landry shamit oh hey campaign you know okay cameron johnson 
you know, guys who you know that you can trust to assist and, and help the team win in some capacity. You know, you go down their list of just going by points per game and the guys who play the majority of the games. You know, Anthony Edwards leads all scores, 24.1. Carl Anthony Towns has 22.2. Uh, and then you have um, D'Angelo Russell with 17.4, then drops off. Their fourth best score is Nas Reed, you know, 9.2. Malik Beasley, 8.8. Pat Bev is on this team, 7.6. Jaden McDaniels, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Kogi. You know, n- no one who really kind of strikes fear into mm-hmm. your heart. Now, granted, you know, we, we played this team last year, and I think we went – God, I feel like we played them in a back-to-back last year uh, where it was a back-to-back against the same team. And, you know, there was one game where they came out, they just – came out firing and just punched us in the face. And the, the Suns struggled to get back into the game and, and made it close to the end, but ultimately lost. And then we played them a couple more times and we whooped it, we whooped their ass. But I think that this is a team that the only thing that's going to stop the Suns tomorrow is the Suns. Is uh, if they're tired, if Devin Booker did get engaged to Kendall, as Matthew thinks happened due to the <laughs> giddiness in which he or played enjoyment. tonight, you know, yeah. maybe he has one too many uh, glasses of wine tonight on the plane up to Minnesota. And uh, it's just, you know, they, they're, maybe they're a little off. Who knows? Who knows? And uh, Coach JJM did say Towns has been balling. Let's see. Yeah, I'm sure like the, the stats and stuff, everything looks good. Um, but Buck Dog, they're just a bad, lifeless franchise. That's basically what I'm getting at with him. And that, that there's just not anything there that shows me that anything's going to happen where they're on their way to winning, you know, just they're, they're lifeless. And that's a perfect way to put it. They are there in, in Minnesota. So things need to change there for sure. So sons win or sons lose. Uh, sons win. We can handle yeah. ourselves. We got this right. Even have a couple glasses of wine. You'll be fine. There you go. There you go. I'll actually be coming to you live from Reno, Nevada tomorrow. So, Yay. and I'm, I'm relying, <laughs> I'm going to rely on you, Matthew, because I think I'm going to miss the first half of the game because I'll be on a flight. I know game starts at six and Which I is five o'clock Pacific time. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have fun with the pot tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. It's five o'clock Pacific time. And I land, okay. I land at six Oh six. So cool. You know, right. we might be a little bit late after the game tomorrow. Cause I still have to get the rental car and got to get to work. I got to get to the hotel. I got to do all that crap. Okay. So all that fun stuff. Uh, anything <laughs> else you want to talk about, Matthew? I, I you oh, know, I, well. I had a bunch of stuff. Uh, is there anything you saw that you want to talk about? Any questions, comments, Concerns, yeah, one one thing, Landry got that block. So there was it was off of a uh, a, a no call against Landry Shamit on one end of the floor. He comes back, and on the alley oop, he blocks it, and that was pretty awesome to see. And the face that he gave after was pretty nice, and he hit a couple threes. Or did he have a couple or just one, two, two for two. seven? So very two. good. Okay, we'll we'll yeah, give it to it. him. All I can say is Sham. Wow. Well, I guess on that note, if we have nothing else to discuss on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast, we'd like to thank everybody who not only came and showed up and watched it, this on YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. but if you watched along live and participated in the chat, uh, that's what this is all about. It's the Suns community, and that's what makes this fun. Uh, win or lose, but definitely more fun after a win, especially the eighth in a row. So make sure that while you're here, you're giving those thumbs up, you're hitting subscribe, you're hitting the bell notification if you are a listener of the show and you are listening on Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe, rate, review if the uh, the platform allows you to do so. We appreciate it. Again, it lets everybody know where to find um, 
the best Phoenix Suns post-game content, and that's right here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. As you can see behind Matthew, uh, the art of at Craig A. Hamill on Twitter is uh, posted behind him. So if you want to have some of your son's artwork or some, you know, some son's pictures, I don't care. Like send us some pictures of you at the game. Matthew will post them right behind you and you get to be a, a jam star behind Matthew. So you could do that by hitting us up <laughs> at son's jam on Twitter. You can hit me up on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can hit Matthew up on Twitter. Uh, Matthew Lizzie. And on that note, folks, we'll see you tomorrow night following the Suns versus Timberwolves game. Until then, have a fantastic evening. Go home with your family. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.